Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. It is always a joy, a pleasure, and especially a privilege that you and I are afforded to be here together in this place dedicated to the worship of God so that we can sing and tell of his glory and truth in our lives. Let me, as you, we begin our worship today, thank you for listening to the request of our session about wearing masks yet again. Here we are, but we're still here and we move forward. As we gather, we note that we have today the fourth candle of the Advent wreath already lit. We have lit the candles of hope and peace and joy, and today we light the candle of love, remembering that love came down at Christmas in Jesus. So sure of that love that God has for us and confident in our desire to love God, let us be called together and worship as we read responsively from the 40th chapter of the prophet Isaiah. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up and do not fear. See, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. Friends, let us worship God.
again. We are in the presence of the living and loving God, the one whose power and purpose and presence in the person of Jesus the Christ is with us. And because of God's love, we can confess our brokenness and our sins before God, who pours out his mercy and grace. In one voice and in one heart, let us confess together. God of light and Lord of nations, in the darkness of night, you came to bring light. To an oppressed people, you came to bring hope. To a world torn by violence, you came to bring peace. We confess that we have not always received your precious gifts. Too often we have preferred the destructive pathways of our old lives over the blessed pathway that is found in our following you. Forgive us and restore in us the joy of that first Christmas morn when Bethlehem and all the world awoke to discover the Savior in their midst. Then help us follow him so that we may bring light, hope, and peace to your world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, hear and believe and trust in the good news of God in Jesus Christ, whether you are here in person or online. That God so loved us, he gave his son Jesus Christ for the life of the world. In his life, death, and resurrection, we have been set free to love God and to love one another. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen. May the peace of Jesus Christ be with you. God has given us his peace to overflowing. Let us therefore give and share signs of God's peace and love to one another, both here and in person and online. Now that we are at peace with God and with each other, let's talk about what the future might be. I'm very hesitant these days to talk about what's going to happen in the future, but here we go. Today at four o'clock, the Lord willing, we will gather outside to enjoy some more of the music of the Christmas season as well as a few special readings. We invite all of you to our coming home at Christmas celebration. The full choir will be singing and we will be inviting you to sing along with us in many of the carols and songs of the season. So the weather's supposed to hold and we'll enjoy welcoming you. On the 23rd, we plan to have a Luminaria party for those of you skilled in pouring sand into paper bags or those of you who would like to learn that skill. We plan to make over a thousand Luminarias lights to light up the way of the Christ child on Christmas Eve. That's at five o'clock in the evening. Please email Neil and let him know that you're coming so we can have some food for you. On Christmas Eve, our plan is to be outside on the patio at two o'clock for worship, inside the sanctuary at four o'clock, outside on the patio again at six o'clock, and inside at 11 o'clock. The weather prediction changed as of this morning to say that we are not expecting rain on Christmas Eve, but for the last several days it says that we are expecting rain. I have zero faith in weather predictions. So come to worship whenever you want to come. As I said in my email to you yesterday, bring a coat, bring a mask, and if you're planning to be inside, hopefully, or outside, we'll be outside. If it's raining, we'll be inside. 
Who knows what in the world's going to go on? All I know is that God is trustworthy and true. Finally, on Christmas Day, we'll gather down at Mission Bay Park at noon with our branch barbecue folks to serve uh, lunch to the homeless and take some needed items to them. If you'd like to be part of that very special Christmas celebration, give Jan Farley an email and let her know that you're coming and she can tell you more about it. Right now, Jan is going to tell us more about our Christmas joy offering. So every year at this time, we have a special offering and oftentimes, we're given an opportunity to give above and beyond what we might give based on the needs of the world. All of us are aware of what's gone on in the Midwest because of the tornado. So today in your Christmas joy offering, this is above and beyond your regular offering. It's an opportunity to give. This will go directly 100% to help families and communities and the areas that are most hit both through the Presbyterian Disaster Assistance as well as churches with whom we are in contact. So I encourage you to give as God has graciously given to you so that we might help our brothers and sisters in need. Thank you, Jack. Speaking of offering, as you know, we have reinstituted the ancient practice of bringing our offerings forward as an act of worship. Whether you use the QR code or mail in your offerings, regardless of how you offer, if you would like to offer today to God as we are hearing some beautiful music, we invite you to come forward and to place your offering in the baskets. In all of that, we especially offer ourselves to God. Oh. 
Brothers and sisters, as we joyfully await Christmas Day to celebrate the birth of our King, and also as we anticipate Christ's return, will you please join me in a time of praise, prayer, intercession, and we will finish together wherever we are with the Lord's Prayer. Please join me in prayer. God of love and presence, God of power and comfort, our God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, Hear our prayers of gratitude and praise. You have loved us and created us to reflect that love for self and others. You have demonstrated that love through your son Jesus who entered this world to love and redeem us, to allow us to share that mantle of loving all people, of ministering without restraint or self-selectiveness, to live freely by your spirit, giving of ourselves as you have given to us. In the joy of that first Christmas morn when Bethlehem and all the world awoke to discover the Savior in our midst, hear our prayers of praise to you, our God and King. God of promise, you have given us a sign of your love through the gift of Jesus Christ, who was promised from ages ago. We believe, as Joseph did, the message of your presence whispered by an angel and offer our prayers for your world, our country, community, and in confident of your care and mercy for all creation. God, comfort those who grieve in our congregation, for Judy and Paige who have lost family members recently. We pray for Jan and John that your healing hand would be upon them. We lift our prayers all for all in the Midwest who have experienced a loss of family or friends whose homes and livelihoods are destroyed who are hospitalized from the tornado. Lord God, bring comfort. As you poured out your love for us, let us pour out our love for those who suffer. Help us to give abundantly of our resources, not to only with offerings of our funds, but offerings, offering our prayer, our voice, and witness to help wherever needed. We pray also for the brothers and sisters in the Philippines after the typhoon hit and destroyed so much. Lord, our broken world causes havoc in tornadoes and typhoons. The earth groans for redemption, as do we. Come, God of light and promise, protect us from national, natural disasters and create in us a heart that breaks for all humanity in their dwellings. We pray for the struggles of countries trying to allow asylum seekers into a life of safety while others struggle to keep them out. We pray against the human violence in Central Africa, Ukraine, and every place where evil works to pit people against people. We ask a new work to change the hearts of those who would alienate any whose views, color, economics, gender, or even place of birth creates divisions. Lord, you came to the least of all people, the marginalized, the women, the shepherds, an unknown man named Joseph, whom you called to embrace your plan of salvation. For each of us, Lord, come and bring your light. Help us to embrace your plan of salvation for all humanity as we await Christmas morning and await the coming again of your Son, our Savior, in whose name we pray the familiar prayer, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I invite you as you are able to stand with me so that together we may hear and receive the word of God for our lives today as we hear it recorded in the gospel according to Matthew and then in the gospel according to Luke. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. 
he took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's talk about Joseph. We've been talking about, thinking about, taking out very carefully and studying some of the characters, the people who were in and around the manger scene and the events of Jesus' birth. As we think about Joseph today, I think about a couple of unusual nativity scenes that I've seen lately. One of them pictured Joseph and Mary with Jesus. That's what we expect to see, but this one was different. Normally, we expect to see Mary holding the baby and Joseph standing beside her, maybe with a terrified look on his face that says, oh my heavens, I have a child now, what am I going to do? Are there any fathers here who had that experience when your first child was born? Yes, yes, some of you still are experiencing that terror, I can tell, yes, all right. This particular nativity scene that I saw, though, pictured Mary in the background lying fast asleep. And Joseph is holding Jesus, looking intently into his face. How many fathers or grandfathers or great-grandfathers have had that experience with your progeny? It's a beautiful thing. There's another unusual nursery scene or nativity scene that I, that I saw recently. It pictured Joseph and Mary, and Mary's on the donkey, and it's obviously before Jesus is born because Mary is still quite pregnant, and they're riding through the streets of Bethlehem, and the caption underneath this one says that it became a silent night only after Mary learned that Joseph had forgotten to make reservations at the inn. (laughs) I'm smarter than to make a comment about that one. We'll just leave it where it is. Well, what was really going on with Joseph? Joseph is rarely mentioned in Scripture. Most of what we know about him we have just read. But in the last few days especially, I have found a new way to identify with Joseph, especially Joseph as a dad, Joseph as the father, Joseph in charge of a family. 
and here's how it's come to me. When you think about Joseph, he had some very difficult decisions to make. Everything that he assumed about the way his life was going to go suddenly changed with the realization that Mary was pregnant and then the news about how Mary was pregnant and then the decision that they had to go to Bethlehem and then later on the announcement that they had to leave Bethlehem and become refugees and go to Egypt. Everything in Joseph's life as the father of the family was turned upside down in constant turmoil and he had to be the one to make the decisions about what would happen. Do any of you sometimes feel like life today is in constant turmoil and the rules are changed every 15 minutes and nobody agrees on what the rules are and the world is full of experts who will tell you what the rules should be and you have to make a decision? I feel for Joseph even more. There's a reason that Catholics call their pastors father. Think about that one a little bit. Well, let's think more about Joseph, though. I'm indebted to Kenneth Bailey, who spent 40 years in the Middle East studying Middle Eastern culture and interpreting scripture through those eyes. I'm indebted to Dale Bruner, a scholar that many of us know here, uh, who has spent his whole life dedicating himself uh, to studying the true meaning of the scriptures. They help us understand Joseph in deep and different sorts of ways because we don't have much to go on, but we have some, and that some is very telling. Matthew tells us that Joseph was a righteous man. And like so much of the scriptures, you and I read that and say, well, of course Joseph was a righteous man. He was Jesus' earthly father. But we can't just leave it at that. What does it mean to say Joseph was a righteous man? Matthew didn't have to say it, but he did. Righteous, another word equally uh, useful and equally appropriate in interpreting the Greek of this passage is that Joseph was a just man. He acted with justice in his life, with righteousness in his life. That's important for us to know about Joseph, and actually we learn how he fulfilled that righteousness, how he was a, a man of God as the story unfolds itself. I'm going to give you a little bit of a lesson in different ways to think about righteousness or justice in Jesus' day and even in our own day. One way to think about righteousness about being just in the world is to be fair with everyone, to follow the law and to be fair. And one of the ways that righteousness or justice was exercised in Jesus' day and in our day sometimes is through the use of what we call retributive justice. There's a phrase that you can use to impress people at your Christmas parties this week. You know, we were in church the other day thinking about retributive justice. Here's what retributive justice is. Retributive justice says that if you harm me, then I get to harm you in equal measure. 
It's called an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. There is part of our jurisprudence that exercises that kind of justice. You do something bad and we lock you up. That's a form of retributive justice. There's more to it than that, but leave it there for now. There's another form of justice, another form of righteousness that says that you and I agree to fulfill the law of God in equal measure. I pay my taxes, you pay your taxes. If you don't pay your taxes, you pay penalties on those taxes, or you go to jail, or you find a lawyer who can get you off. Don't get me started on that one. We understand that kind of justice. We all follow the rules, we all live by the rules, we all pay the penalty if we don't. There is, though, a third way of thinking about righteousness and justice from God's point of view. And as Jesus lived his life, and then died his death, and then was resurrected by God, people began to understand the righteousness and justice of God as it was expressed in the life of Jesus. And they remembered something that the prophet Isaiah had said hundreds of years earlier about the promised Savior of the world. In Isaiah 42, verse 3, Isaiah says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Some of you remember that passage. And remember that we put it together with Jesus, especially at this time of year. But maybe we don't know about the business of reeds and wicks. We don't use reeds and wicks a whole lot anymore. In Jesus' day, you would take a reed and sharpen the point and dip it in ink and use it as a writing instrument. Some of us have written with quill pens. It's the exact same principle. Or you would take reeds and use them in building houses slap a bunch of mud with them, use the reeds to be a binding agent like adobe brick in New Mexico, or sometimes they even built boats out of reeds, binding the reeds together and then covering them with sap or with pitch to make them waterproof. The only reed that was pretty much useless in Jesus' day was a bruised or a broken reed that would only be good for burning in the fire. But Isaiah says that the Messiah will not break a bruised reed. He uses even that which is bruised and broken and compromised and weak, and he restores it. What about a dimly burning wick? Most of us do not burn oil lamps anymore for light. But in Jesus' day, oil lamps were small ceramic dishes, essentially, that had a little spout sometimes on the end. And you would take a wick and stick it into the spout and down into the oil, and that's what you would light, and that would give you light for your house. But sometimes the wick would start to fail 
and the light would grow dim, or sometimes the wick would start to burn through and it was in, would be in danger of falling out of the lamp and falling down on the floor and maybe catching some of those useless reeds on fire that were down on the floor. But the Messiah will not even quench a dimly burning wick, no matter how dim it is. Instead, he will bring forth justice. The Messiah acts in such a way that he takes that which is broken, bruised, compromised, weak, sick, sinful, and he restores it. Joseph, Joseph acted as a righteous man when he demonstrated compassion toward Mary when he looked at Mary and said, okay, you're pregnant before you're supposed to be, but we're going to move forward and I will take you as my wife and we shall become a family. Now notice, notice, notice that Mary's pregnancy is discovered before Joseph has the visit from the angel to tell him what's actually going on. And before that visit, Joseph simply says, I'm going to dismiss you quietly. We're not going to make a big deal about this. We're simply going to make it all go away. But then the angel comes and says, maybe God has a different way. Yes, God does have a different way. And Joseph takes a different tack, and so Jesus actually grows up with the father in a respected family. Joseph acts with true godly righteousness. Now, don't mistake, though, the fact that Joseph was a human. He was a human being. Let's not put him on some sort of pedestal and put a halo around his head. We are told that when Joseph learns of Mary's pregnancy that he considers what this is about. There's a very different way to interpret the meaning of that passage and the language that's used there, and I like this way of thinking about it. The other way to think about it is that Joseph was angry. Joseph was upset because everything about his situation now had changed. And it wasn't, as best we know, as we know from the angel, it wasn't his fault. Joseph reacted with a typical human reaction when he learned of this pregnancy out of wedlock. Now, I know today maybe that doesn't mean much to some people, but in that day, that meant everything. Joseph reacts with anger, but then he visits with God, or more appropriately, God visits with him. And then he gives God the possibility, he gives God the benefit of the doubt and says, maybe God in this situation where what any normal, rational human being would do in my culture would be to get angry with this woman and to publicly disgrace her and take myself out of this horrible situation. Instead, 
Joseph takes Mary as his wife. He opens himself to new possibilities, new options, thinking that maybe God is going to do something special here. Believing, trusting, even though I have to think that Joseph, as a human being, had his doubts. Well, regardless, Joseph did what he was told. He was obedient to God. He was obedient to God in taking this highly unusual situation and embracing it and redeeming it, protecting Mary, protecting this unborn child, protecting them as they later would have to escape into Egypt and become refugees. Joseph did what God said to do. He obeyed the angel. He completed the marriage arrangement. He even gave Jesus the name that the angel said he was to give him. In that day, Joseph almost certainly would have named Jesus, not Jesus, but Joseph. That's what you did. The firstborn son was given the name, usually, of the father. But Joseph obeyed. Joseph did what he was meant to do. And then, Joseph became Jesus' earthly father. I know, if you want to over-spiritualize this, you will just dismiss Joseph and say, well, he really wasn't very important in the story. But we know that he was because in all the stories that are told to us, very few, but in all of them, Joseph, as the head of the family, does exactly what the head of a Jewish family should do. Jesus was circumcised. Mary was purified. Jesus was dedicated. They went to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. That's what was going on when Jesus was 12 and they got left in the temple. Jesus obviously grew up to be a man who was very comfortable and, and very familiar with the synagogue and with the faith of his people. And when he had to come up with a word to address God the Father, he used the term Abba. In modern-day Arabic, Baba, Daddy. What kind of a father do you think Joseph was? Well, you and I may not have had very good fathers on this earth, and Joseph certainly was not a perfect father, but he was the father that God chose to be the father of his son on earth, a man who acted with generous, gracious, merciful, compassionate righteousness, a man who overcame his natural human reactions and instead did what God wanted to be done. A man who took his son to church and who taught his son about the love of God so that one day that son could teach us all about the love of the perfect father in heaven. That's what I see when I see Joseph at the manger. What do you see? Amen. Please join me as we affirm our faith from the reading of Luke. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, 
and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the merciful promise to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Sometimes it is helpful, I think, for us to put the characters of the scripture into a modern idiom, one that we would recognize but not find unusual in our own day. I sometimes think of Joseph as an ordinary, everyday carpenter, the kind of guy who would drive a 12-year-old pickup tuck with a bunch of tools in the back, the kind of guy with a dirty baseball cap on and maybe just a torn t-shirt, raising a family, 
the kind of guy who probably didn't have much to say, but was always the one that you could count on, who did the right thing, who took care of his family in such a way that his family would know that he loved them, and especially that they have a loving father who loves us all. I don't know how you picture Joseph, come up with your own view, but spend some time thinking about him in the next few days as we think about all the others. And thank God for his faithfulness and then be faithful to yourself in your own way with however God calls you to be compassionate, just, loving, and faithful. May the Lord bless us then and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us and bring us his peace today and always. Let God's people say together, Amen. Amen.